what I found out was that on one particular page in their checkout, they were losing $2,750,000 per year on that page alone. Welcome to the Global from Asia podcast, where the daunting process of running an international business is broken down into straight up actionable advice. And now your host, Michael Michelini. Happy Halloween, everybody. October is over and I was Captain America this year with the wife and the kids. And uh, it was always a fun time with family over. Also, you know, that was the last big event for October. As I mentioned on previous episodes, it's been a very busy month with trade show season and all these other extracurricular activities, let's call them. But there's still stuff coming up in November. Our uh, Global from Asia doing Chinese e-commerce from Hong Kong trip is on Friday, November 18th. Check it out at globalfromasia.com slash hktrip. Okay, and now for this week's show, we have Yoris talking about international markets for conversion optimization. Enjoy, everybody. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to another Global from Asia podcast. We have Yoris Brian with us on the show. Thanks for being here, Yoris. Hi, Mike. Uh, thanks for having me. I probably messed up that name. Sorry. It's, you said it much better before we recorded. <laughs> <laughs> it's a difficult name. It's, it's, it's Yoris Brian. So uh, you can call me whatever. If you say Yoris, it's okay. I respond to pretty much anything. No worries. <laughs> yeah, I, I always uh, make fun of myself as an uh, ignorant American so I can get away with that, right? <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So it's great to get you on the show. And we're going to talk about conversion optimization, which is your specialty. And before we get into the you know nitty gritty, you, you were saying you're based in Malta. I've I've heard mm-hmm. I've heard a name. Maybe I'm curious. Yeah, how did you end up in Malta? Well, Malta is even even I'm I'm from Belgium originally. So um, even in Belgium, um, Malta is, is not very well known. Uh, most people think it's part of Spain, uh, but actually it's a, it's a separate country. It's uh, it's it's south of uh, Sicily. And most people will know Sicily, Italy, so they'll uh, know where it is. Uh, but um, yeah, I ended up here. I, I, I used to live in Belgium, and, and uh, I, at the beginning, I was solo consultant, and uh, it evolved to a, to an agency. Uh, and I worked for uh, clients in Belgium and the Netherlands. But uh, I always was working from a distance anyway, um, so I could relocate and, and start working from uh, pretty much anywhere in the world. Great. And um, yeah, I, I was just looking for a, a good country, and. Um, I was looking for a sunny country mainly because uh, uh, most people won't really know uh, what the climate in Belgium is, but uh, Belgium is pretty much like the UK, so it's uh, grey all the time, uh, raining a lot. Uh, it's just not a, <laughs> a really um, great place to be. Uh, well, of course, it's it's nice there, but I, I really like the sun. So uh, and if, if you like the sun, Belgium is not really a great place to be. So I started looking for countries in the south, uh, preferably Europe, because as a citizen of, of the EU, you can set up a business pretty much anywhere uh, very easily. You can really quite relocate easily. And another uh, aspect was was taxes. Um, and tax structure here in, in Malta is so interesting that it took me a little convincing to, to move here. Um, wow. So, yeah, so send and taxes. And it's basically when you talk to our expats living here, uh, if you ask them why Malta, that's they always sum it up like, well, it's send and taxes. Great, send and taxes. Good good combination. And uh, yeah, yeah, we always try to talk about cool places on Global From Asia here. So thanks for that in, in, info. 
So let's get into the 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 heart of, well, a little bit more about yourself. And we got connected through your business partner, Marcus. So maybe first, mm-hmm. uh, maybe your business background. Well, actually, um, I, I've I've been a solo consultant in the beginning. Well, no, I've worked as an employee, of course, like like many other people I have before uh, becoming self-employed. Uh, and I used to work in advertising first, and then I switched to online marketing. Uh, and and I have well gone through a whole process of learning SEO, PPC, and stuff. And then one day I discovered conversion optimization, and it was like, uh, yeah, I, I really felt this is what I want to do now, and I, that's own, the only thing I want to do now. So I started specializing in it, uh, taking courses and stuff. Start started teaching other uh, agencies as well. And then at some point I just jumped and just well I said. I'm going to be self-employed and see where, yeah, what's going to happen. And, um, yeah, things were really going well. So, uh, yeah, we started getting a lot of clients in. And at some point I met Marcus uh, at a conversion optimization conference. And Marcus is, he's a Swedish. Uh, he has an uh, agency, in, an SEO agency in Sweden. But he lives in Bangkok. And, uh, yeah, well, we just, well, had a connection and, and, and we started talking about it and, and how we could uh, develop an agency. And we had, we shared the same vision of, uh, trying to set up an agency, uh, but a location independent agency. So we work with people from anywhere in the world. Um, we don't want to uh, be limited to people from one country in one specific location. If there's good people, uh, we work with people from the U S from the Netherlands, uh, Sweden. So, and I'm in Malta, so it's it's a bit from everywhere, um, and and it works out great. It's it's not really a big deal uh, to to work uh, location independently with a lot of people in in an agency structure. So we call it a virtual agency, actually. So yeah. Okay. Very cool. Virtual agencies. Yeah. I mean, it's just like you know, I know a lot of our listeners, and we're you know all around the world, and the world's getting amazing, and we're just joking like at a friend's house about virtual reality, just kind of putting glasses on and we could see each other in mm-hmm. the future, just putting on some VR glasses. Maybe this interview in a few years will be face to face and, and vi- listeners or viewers or people could just sit next to us and, and watch us and you know, be, it's crazy, you know, that's where the yeah, future is going. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> okay, great. So conversion optimization, I, we, before we did this interview, we had a call and you know, I, I liked how you were saying like it's it is for everybody because I've been told by others that you need a certain amount of traffic or, or maybe before we go into that, like maybe just what is conversion optimization? Is is it testing? Mm. Is, that, is that the right way? Or well, actually, it, it, it's a common misconception to confuse conversion optimization and A/B testing. Um, and most people really think it's 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 all about testing stuff, uh, but conversion optimization is a lot more than that. It's uh, uh, testing should be the endpoint, and it's not going to be the endpoint for everyone. If you don't have enough traffic, testing doesn't make make much sense. But on the other hand, it doesn't mean that you can't do any conversion optimization. So those terms get confused a lot. And conversion optimization, for me, it's really about understanding your customer, your visitor actually. And if you understand your visitor, then you can uh, change your site or test changes on, on your site to better meet their needs on, on your site. So basically, you don't really need that much traffic to do conversion optimization. Uh, for me, conversion optimization is really a combination of doing the research and the research to really understand your visitor. And then you can implement a, a couple of no-brainers. There will always be no-brainers if you do the research, stuff that you don't really need to test. And then if you, if you have enough traffic, uh, you can start testing. But if you don't have enough traffic, just implement all the stuff that you find and all the changes together will make a difference. So uh, the, the common misconception is really 
saying uh, A-B testing, conversion optimization, it's the same. But if you start with A-B testing, what's going to happen? So even if you have enough traffic, it's, it's, it's going to be a bit like throwing spaghetti against the wall and hoping it sticks. So you're going to set up an A-B test and you're going to hope it's going to work. But you don't actually know if, if the thing you're testing, if it's actually a problem or not on your site. And if it isn't a problem, then you're just wasting your time and, you, and, and, and your physicists, of course, as well, uh, on testing stuff that doesn't matter. So you need to understand what's happening on your site and uh, what your visitors are doing, which kind of information they are missing, so, so that you can test stuff that makes sense uh, and that could actually help your uh, conversions. Got it. Then, you know, like for, for me, you know, or just put some perspective, like I have on globalfromasia.com about 6,000 uniques a month. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's, that's, uh, I'm also confused. I've actually just this past weekend updated the menu bar and sidebar and stuff. So I, I guess I'm kind of like throwing spaghetti against the wall, <laughs> like you say, but, uh, you know, um, so people, people can do something with that, you know, as far as yeah. testing. Well, as far as testing goes, probably not. Uh, 6,000 visitors a month, it's, it's not going to be enough for testing. Um, and, and I don't really look at the number of, well, at the traffic, but at the number of conversions. That's a better measure to know if, if, um, if you can start testing or not. So, because your conversion can be anything. So, conversion basically is uh, the action people take on your site that you want to take so that could be filling in a form uh, to get a lead in or that could be uh, a transaction of course if it's an e-commerce site but it could be also a, a page conversion so let's say people on a certain page to click through to the next page so that click could be a conversion on for that particular page and then it makes sense to look at the uh, at the number of that kind of conversions you have on uh, on that particular page um, but as a rule of thumb what I, I say is don't test if you don't have a thousand conversions per month. It could be seven or eight hundred, of course. That's that's still gonna work, but uh, a thousand is more like uh, a rule of thumb. So uh, why is that? Because if, if you're gonna test something, you, what you need is about, I'll say at, at least 150 to 200, and preferably even more conversions per variation. So if you have the A version and it has only 50 conversions, and a B version that also has about 50 conversions, it, it's not going to be statistically significant. It's not well. The test is not going to be valid. And um, if you have to run run a test for way too long. It's not interesting to do that. It's going to be more interesting to to invest your time in the research and just make changes to your site instead of testing with low numbers. So really, it depends. It depends a bit on on how many conversions you have and how you define a conversion. So it could be a page conversion, and that could be a good thing to 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 measure uh, if you don't have much traffic. So for instance, we have we we mainly work for e-commerce sites, and of course, we always look at the baseline. We look at how much revenue they get from each version and um, how many how many transactions they have. But if that is not enough, if uh, it's like for an e-commerce site with five six hundred. Uh, transactions it's a bit low but what you could do is you could look at your uh, let's say your product page what do you want people to do on your product page it's it's adding a product to the to their cart of course so the add to cart could be a conversion for your product page and in, in that way you're going to have more ads to cart than uh, you're going to have final transactions so you could get a test could be conclusive faster when you're only looking at that page conversion. So it depends a little, but I'd say 
rule of thumb, a thousand conversions for the thing that you want to test uh, is is from that point on, it's interesting to test. But it doesn't mean like in your case, if you have uh, 6,000 unique visitors a month that you can't do stuff. Uh, you can you can really try to understand your visitor. And uh, there's, there's several things that you can do. So there's in, in the conversion research, there's two big kinds of research. There's a quantitative research and there's a qualitative research. And in quantitative research, for some of those uh, things, you'll need a lot of, uh, visitors as well, but it, numbers can be lower. Like for instance, um, a Google anal- Analytics analysis. If if you deep dive in your Google Analytics, you'll need the numbers, of course, as well. But if you have six thousand visitors, you could what you could do is is uh, widen your date range and look at the last three months, for instance, uh, to have more numbers and to uh, be able to uh, make a more meaningful analysis. But you could look at uh, your forms as well. That, forms is really something that, that I, I, I really like because uh, forms are usually crucial to every conversion. So if you have a, an e-commerce site, uh, you'll have checkout form. If you have, if you have a site that's about lead generation, you'll have a form as well. And it's, um, uh, it, it's unbelievable how uh, many people drop off on forms and those people are actually very close to the conversion. So what you could do is there's uh, tools out there, like uh, one tool I, I really like is uh, Formissimo, it's called. So what Formissimo does, it, it, it tracks uh, the fields in your form and it says where people exactly are dropping off. So they start filling out a form and at some point they just give up and they're, they're gone. And that's great information because then you can try to figure out what's happening there with that specific field. Why are people dropping off? Do I even need that information? Mm. Can I leave it out? Like, for instance, telephone number. If you're not going to call them, just don't ask it uh, because it's very likely that people are going to drop off there. And that's stuff that you can do with 6,000 visitors a month. That's not really a big deal. So form analysis is probably going to give you a lot of uh, ways to improve your form and your conversions in general. It's. I mean, you can feel your passion. So, I mean, I. Yeah, maybe we maybe we just step back a little bit. So you know, we are international here. So, does lang- I mean, you've worked mm-hmm. with a few different languages. Uh, we you know in Belgium and uh, other parts. Like, how how do people deal with? It? Do you notice anything different between languages or cultures? Like in in these tests or conversions or. I guess yeah, everything is quality. The way we work is it's very data driven, and because simply because that gives the best results. But um, the differences, there are differences. Of course, there's cultural differences. Uh, I, I once read a study of I think it was a comparison between France and Germany, and uh, I don't know which one, which country it was, but one of the two uh, people were uh, scrolling uh, a lot further down the page than the other ones. So there are some cultural differences in, in, in how they will use your site. But basically, the, 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 it's the same everywhere. Uh, there might be the, these cultural differences, but what you need to do is just try and understand your visitor first. That's, that's it. It's, it's, it's as simple as that. Well, simple. Sounds simple, but it isn't always so simple. But of course, it's just understanding your visitor and try to meet their needs. Uh, and it can be different from country to country and from languages and cultures. Uh, those can have influences. Uh, but the process is the same. It's just about trying to understand your visitor. Cool. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. Okay. Desks. Yeah. So, which could be different, of course, between cultures and languages. I know, especially in Asia, I know you don't have much exposure with that, but, you know, in, in Asia, 
the website designs are, mm-hmm. are, are much different, especially in Chinese. So, okay. You mentioned phone numbers with forms and other things. Are there some kind of first things people should look at to, to test? Uh, like, kind of like the big, big, big mm-hmm. things on a website? Well, uh, that's a question I, I get often, uh, but I, I'm not really inc- inclined to give a concrete answer to that. And I'll tell you why. Um, because every site is different and, and has different problems, has, has different visitors has, uh, that need different solutions. And one example is going to just illustrate what I, what I want to say here is um, I, I had a, a client that came to me and they were testing. They were testing on a, on a product page before they came to me. And while the tests weren't really doing that much. And what I did is I, I did a, a complete research. And uh, what I found out was that you know, on one particular page in their, checkout, in their checkout, they were losing $2,750,000 per year on that page alone. So that's, that, that was gigantic. And as soon as I told them that, uh, well, it, it's been, I think, almost two years now, we're still working together because that was such an eye-opener for them. Uh, they were just testing on, on the wrong page. So that's why I, I'm, I'm not really inclined to say you should work or test this first because um, it really depends on your side. It could be that you have a problem on a totally different page. That being said, we, I, I work a lot for a lot of e-commerce sites and um, usually the biggest wins for tests, uh, that's, that's going to be on product pages, on your cart page and your checkout pages. Usually, it's not going to be always there, but usually that those are the places where I find uh, the biggest wins. Very cool, very cool. It might be hard, but I guess you have to do this on a website you can control, right? There's nothing you can... I know there's FBA, Amazon FBA sellers that are listening. Is there any controls mm. that they can have? Um, it, it's, it's going to be different. And I, I'm not really familiar with selling on Amazon because I, I haven't worked for that kind of clients. Uh, we mainly work for clients uh, that have their own site and, and we optimize those sites. But So what I guess is it's going to be mainly copy and, and pictures that's going to make the difference, of course. And, and uh, about pictures, um, what is important uh, for pictures is that you have as many as possible and a very good quality and from every possible angle. And one of the examples, I, I, I give a lot of conversion optimization trainings as well. And one of the examples I always find myself repeating there, especially for a female audience, it's an interesting one. No one is going to buy, no, uh, no woman is going to buy a handbag if uh, she doesn't see the, the inside. Uh, so if you show a couple of pictures, show a picture of the inside as well, because that's going to be important uh, for your audience. But it's also about uh, copy and and copy it's uh, is very very important and it's often uh, underestimated because um, a lot of people think conversion optimization and a b testing is is about uh, design uh, and of course it's true uh, design can make a difference but copy is often even more powerful so what you need to do is you need to figure out what kind of questions your buyers have and and try to answer them and and don't try to be uh, uh, so don't try to be brief um, wh- what I mean is we we live in a Twitter world, well, where 140 characters is the norm or whatever, but it just doesn't work that way for your uh, for your, the products you want to sell. You have to figure out what kind of questions do uh, do my buyers have before they can even buy the, the, the thing. I remember uh, one research I did for a client and. Uh, they were selling uh, laptop bags, and uh, they had the dimensions on it in, uh, of, of the uh, of the, the bag itself, and it was uh, in centimeters. They just gave the dimensions of the bag, and then I, we did the research. And at one point, one 
one of the we did a user test and one of the user testers says yeah okay that's that's good but um does my 15 inch laptop fits in that bag and it wasn't mentioned anywhere so that's that's uh, it's really an obstacle for someone to convert if he doesn't have that uh, information he's just not able to convert so you have to try to find out what questions people have and and the good thing about amazon for instance is that you can look at the q a section of people similar products and and try to find out what kind of questions are people asking there and just try to weave it in somewhere in your copy and and try to answer that, those questions um it doesn't mean that you have to uh write a copy for the sake of it you just uh, you can be as brief as possible but give all the information they need so don't say ah oh, this is too much copy if it's written briefly and if it's complete then it's good so yeah i think that's going to be uh, the, the main thing makes sense is there any way to capture lost visitors i know there's like these exit pop-ups sometimes on websites uh-huh. Or I guess it's just just uh, nothing we can do if we, if we lose them, they're gone, right? Mm. Well, there are some things that you can do, and um, so for instance, if if you have an e-commerce site and you lose them in a checkout, um, what you can do, there's tools out there as well, and uh, an excellent tool um, we've been using uh, before is uh, Cardstack. Uh, it's it's not that expensive either, um, and what it does is it captures the email as soon as someone fills in the email. Uh, their email address in the checkout form and if they abandon at that point it, it captures the email address and you can send uh, a sequence of emails after that to try to uh, recover them and it's great because it's usually those emails going to convert pretty well but you have to make sure that you uh, do it the right way so uh, we usually send out a sequence of three emails and the first email is going to be about 30 minutes after they abandon the site and that's going to be a, a Full mail, so we're not going to push at that point. It's just about um, asking them: Did something go wrong? Because sometimes something went wrong. So something go wrong? Can we help you? Um, something, uh, something like that. And then a second email can be sent about uh, twenty-three hours after that, because that's going to be a good time. Because that was the same time of the day they visited your site the first time. And then. A third email we usually send it about six days and twenty three hours after the uh, after the first their first visit because then you're going to be on the exact same day of the week at the same time of the day they visited your t- site for the first time. So if if you um, send those three emails, you're probably going to um, uh, recover a lot of your your abandoners. The other thing you can do, of course, is is, is retarget them. You can retarget them uh, with Facebook ads, for instance, or better or uh, retargeting uh, options with AdWords, for instance, as well. Or what you can can also do, and that's an interesting one, um, is, is you really be aware of the fact that not everyone that's going to come on your site is ready to convert now. Uh, they're not always at the same stage of the buying cycle. So some of them are just looking around. They're not really ready to convert right now. They're comparing different solutions, different uh, services, whatever. So what you need to do is is try and, and capture their email address by giving uh, by giving them a good lead magnet. So you don't have to ask them to 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 sign up for your uh, newsletter because no one's no one wants to sign up for a newsletter. But just give them something in value. Something uh, it could be if you have an e-commerce site, you could give five percent off for their next purchase or whatever. But then you have their email address and you can start emailing them and and keeping them warm and uh, keeping them. From up until point they're ready to convert, so that's good. that's really important as well um, to to recover people that are abandoning your site. Makes sense. All right, so let's maybe do some examples. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, I'm doing like a I'm trying to do like a new header to try to organize my content on the website. You know, I think 
there's mm-hmm. tons of tons of podcasts and blogs and and and, pro- and services that we offer. What would be an example of a way to see that even if I added this new fancy header pop out thing is is better or worse for conversions? I guess for me, conversions are I have too many. I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure if there's other listeners. I'm not doing e-commerce per se. I'm doing mm-hmm. you know, like information. So I have newsletters and listeners to podcasts and. Um, so I'm not sure if that's what, you know, I guess you would ask me what's the conversion that I'm trying to do on my website, I guess it would be leads for services. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so let me ask you this first. How did you find out that that wasn't a, prob- a problem on your site and needed to be fixed? Uh, a lot of people say they're confused with what to do on my website. There's so much stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I've been just trying to find ways to organize the content to be more clear and quick to expl- show what we're offering. Mm-hmm. So what what you could do, so ideally you'd have a baseline. So you'd have done some of the research before so you could measure an after. If you don't know the before, it's hard to say if the after is working better than the before. Um, but let's say what, what you could do next to, to check if... if uh, if it's all going the way you'd like it to go, is you could um, check click maps. So what you can do is, and Hotjar, for instance, is a really great tool. Probably so it's, it's one of the most famous tools out there, but it's just because it's a very good tool at a, at a very reasonable price point. But Hotjar that can help you make some click maps. Um, and with a click map, you're going to see where people are clicking. And, and then you can check, are they clicking on the elements that you want them to click? So that's a, that's a good start. Um, another thing that you could do in particular in this case is you could do a five-second test. And if you Google on five-second test, you'll land on that site. Um, what it does is it will show your homepage, in your case, your homepage, uh, to, to a lot of people. I think you can select about 10 people. And then uh, you, the only talk, task that you give is you can say, where would you click to go to? And then you define maybe the podcast section or whatever. People are going to see your homepage for five seconds, and they'll have to answer that question. And then you'll see if it, if, if well, if they saw it in five seconds or not. If they haven't, then probably you need to rework it a little. Uh, so that's a pretty easy test that you could do. You could also do uh, complete user testing just to test your site more, uh, well, more in general, uh, and not just that element. And what user testing, there's um, usertesting.com, for instance, is a great platform for it. Um, they have a lot of user testers. What you do is give them, uh, let's say, you, I usually do f- about five uh, tasks. I give them uh, that they should complete on, on, on your site. And what it does is it records them going through your site and trying to, com- to, to complete the task that you're given. And, and they have to uh, comment out loud what they are doing. So what you're going to get in the end is, is a video of, of them moving through your site and commenting out loud. So that's a really useful way to get an, an insight in your site on, on, on what your visitors are doing on your site. So, and that's, that's, that's one of the things you don't need. Even if you have zero traffic on your site, you could do a user test and, and try to understand if people uh, find your site logical, if they find what they're, what they're looking for, if they understand what's happening on their site. So the user test is something that you definitely could do. Um, and another thing that you could do is, is watch, uh, watch uh, visitor recordings. And, and again, uh, we usually use Hotjar for that because uh, it's, it's all built in, in the same tool. And what visitor recordings do is they just, well, they, they do what the name says. They uh, record the sessions of visitors. And uh, 
but they record it, and so they, you get a video to replay. The only downside is that it's it, it doesn't have the comments, so you don't know what they're thinking at that point, and maybe uh, you see them stop for 10 minutes or so before they go on. That could be because they have a phone call or whatever. <laughs> you just don't know the context. But it can be helpful, especially if you're going to look at some particular areas of the, of, of the site. Um, visitor recordings typically are not something that we start with because uh, uh, you can really get lost in them. You can watch hundreds uh, of, of sessions of people. And if you're not really sure what you're looking for, it, it's, it's hard to get some really good insights from it. But if you um, suspect that you have a problem on a certain area of your site and watch a couple of visitor recordings, then you, uh, you could get an, a clear indication if uh, your suspicion is right or not. So uh, visitor recordings could be a really great way to get um, those insights. And again, you don't need that much visitors for, uh, for this kind of uh, insights. Cool. I think also um, I've I've done quite a few different startups and and one was social agent app, mobile app and we had a website and even before we made much of a product we kind of had just a WordPress blog with a manual backend and we did a focus group like a dinner we invited like fifteen targeted mm-hmm. people free we bribed them with free dinner and some training. Yeah. And, and yeah, we would just have the four of us watching over their shoulders of like, you know, three or four people. And uh, it was amazing what we could learn. So yeah, I mean, I think that's another reason that a way people can test with with little or no traffic. So yeah, for sure, and that's that's one of the best ways to get qualitative feedback. And it's uh, and and if you can try to get people from your target audience to test your site and. The, the hardest part when you do that stuff is to shut up because <laughs> uh, you'll see people struggling and you'll want to help them. You'll want to say, no, no, you have to click there. No, just shut up and, and let them struggle because um, that's when you can start to learn uh, what's happening on your site. So just give them a task and then be silent for the rest of the time. And uh, that's uh, that's really powerful stuff. And it, it, as you said, that's great. Just ask, invite them for dinner. Or I've, I've even done it over Skype. Uh, I had to do user test with a very specific uh, target group and it was uh, general managers and uh, so they didn't have much time they couldn't come to an office or uh, they, they that's not the kind of people that uh, user testing.com and uh, have in their panels so I did it over Skype uh, and then I had Camtasia I asked them to uh, share their screens I have Camtasia to the screen to do the screen recordings and I just gave them the task and watched them do it and I had recordings afterwards so it, it, cool. it can be really easy that way as well yeah great all right, yours. Uh, this is this has been been helpful for for me too. I'm getting a little insights and and tips. I guess it kind of cover the action items. I feel like people have a lot of action items they can do. How about multiple language sites? You know, I am trying to keep the show international related. Of course, yeah. Is is there differences, or maybe they should just have a completely different website? There's always a question people ask me: Should I have like mm-hmm. subdomains or subfolders or different domain names? I mean, is would you say like if if you can do different languages, would you suggest people make completely different websites and with totally separate tests? Or I'm not sure what your opinion here. Yeah, well, it's a, that's a difficult one to to uh, uh, to answer in general because of course every situation is going to be different. And uh, let's say that well, one one thing is is sure you have to understand your visit if it's if it's from different countries and if it's totally different, it might. It makes sense to, uh, to to make different sites. Or I work. I used to work a lot for Belgian companies as well. And in, in Belgium, it's uh, bilingual, so there's a lot of sites in both languages. So that's really common there. So in other countries where it's it's a, if it's a multilingual country, you could 
do it all in one uh, in in one side, of course, because people, all, visitors, are just used to it. But it's hard to to say in uh, in in general if you should do that or not. Really depends. One thing as well is, it, does it make sense from a, a financial point of view? So, for instance, uh, we um, we were looking at the analytics account from uh, one of our customers uh, a while ago, I think a month ago. Or so, and and they had one website in English uh, for well, internationally actually. So they were selling in a, in a lot of countries. But what happened is that the conversion rate for some countries were, were really lower than uh, for the other countries. And uh, unsurprisingly, for France, for instance, uh, they were converting, but they were converting less. So at that point, you might consider making a, a language version of that website or even uh, on a separate domain. But what you have to do is, is, is calculate scenarios and just say, okay, what if we get the conversion rate of France at the same level of the, the, the US uh, conversion rate? Uh, what would that mean in terms of um, uh, revenue per year? And is the investment, is it a wise investment to invest in a, in a, in a new site uh, for France or even to make the translation? Because that's going to cost you money as well. So it's just, yeah, it's a trade off that you have to make. And you can't make that in, in general. It's going to be. Uh, a case by case uh, thing. All right. So that's all I have, Yoris. Um, of course, you know, you and Marcus are, are great guys and doing your virtual agency. So I'm sure there's listeners that might be interested to get help with their e commerce shops. And I hope you guys can make some deals. Is there, how can people find you and, and any kind of, any kind of lead magnets or offers you can offer people? Yeah, sure. We, we got a, a special off, offer for uh, the listeners of uh, Global From Asia podcast. And uh, so you can find it at, at go.dexter.agency slash global from Asia in one word. Uh, what we do is we offer uh, a Google Analytics analysis service, uh, and it usually costs $3,000 for uh, when we do it regularly. For your listeners, we can offer it for $490, which is, well, ridiculously, ridiculously cheap because we put in a lot of time and usually we dig in uh, the analytics accounts for about three days just to uh, find all the opportunities all the optimization opportunities all the places on your site where you're going to lose money and analytics and analytics analysis is usually the first step if it's uh, a bigger uh, e-commerce site it's usually the first step because you need to know where you are losing money uh, on your site and then the, the next step is going to be the rest of the research um, but the analytics analysis already is going to help uh, your listeners a lot. Okay, great. All right, and uh, I'll make a forwarding address globalfromasia.com slash Joris, J-O-R-I-S, just to go to that URL even faster. So, um, all right, and thank you. Any any last words for, for listeners? Or Well, the thing is, if you need to remember one thing of, of, of all I said is understand your visitor. That's the basic of, uh, basis of uh, conversion optimization. Very cool, very cool. That's that's a good one too. I'm um, I'm even still learning. You know, I get emails from list. Actually, it's one of the more frustrating things about podcasts. You know, to, is it's really hard to measure. It's just downloads, yeah. and uh, you don't really know even if they're listening or just downloading it or skipping things or made it all the way to the end of this show or not. You know, it's really it's really tricky. But yeah, thank you so much for your time, and uh, let's let's keep helping businesses go global. All right, thanks, Mike. To get more info about running an international business, please visit our website at www.globalfromasia.com. That's www.globalfromasia.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to our iTunes feed. Thanks for tuning in.